correlation. And it appears that the better people's lives are going for them, the happier they are to be in this world, and the more problems they're having in their lives, the more reasons they find to go somewhere else. There's a sense that we're living in this world and uh, all the good stuff is happening somewhere else. I'd like to share just a couple of stories with you to illustrate this dichotomy. It's very interesting. Some of the literature that we receive in the mail, we receive a lot of information from many organizations. Some of it comes to us without any return addresses, so we really don't know who it's coming from. And they are suggesting that we are approaching a time in history that is dangerous for us. And they're inviting us to prepare by uh, storing food and perhaps some sort of protection underground and awaiting this moment of cataclysmic change on the one hand. And I'm sure many of you may have heard or received that kind of information. And on the other hand, there's something else happening. I'm going to share a story with you just to illustrate this. A few months ago, my wife and I were at a restaurant in Northern California. This is when these things happen, I believe, when we're least expecting them to happen. And there was a gentleman in the lobby of the restaurant, and for some reason, his eyes caught my eyes. I believe we were just going for a meal, and the reality was we may have been going for one of the deepest insights into our lives in this time in history. And I approached this man, and I engaged him in conversation, and he had four beautiful children that were with him, and his children fascinated me. Melissa and I have never had any children in our lives, and we're, we are. We're fascinated by other people's. And I asked him about his children, and he said, oh, my children are the greatest gift in my life. And he said, I was present at the birth of each of them. All four of them were born in our house, and I was the midwife. I was the first hand they felt and the first person they saw when they came into this world. And he went on to explain that it's actually quite easy to bring children into this world. And he demonstrated for me. He crouched down and created a basket with his arms. And he says, all you do is you stand beneath your wife and you create this basket with your arms. And this young wife comes shooting out of the birth canal. You catch them and they're here in this new world. And then he stopped and he said, except for the last one. And he said, when the last child was born, it was his young son. He said, something happened. He said, during the birthing process, all of a sudden, everything stopped. And at that moment in his life, somehow he remembered reading in a text. It was actually a Chicago policeman's manual on giving birth. And the manual reminded him that sometimes during the birth process, the baby may get stuck on the mother's spine. It may turn in just the right way. You get stuck, and it's possible to dislodge the unborn baby from the spine, continue the birth process. Well, for some reason, that information came to him. He remembered that, and he reached with two fingers inside of his wife. And sure enough, he felt the shoulder blade of his unborn son lodged against his wife's spine. And as he was preparing to dislodge his son's shoulder, the most amazing thing happened. He felt his own son's hand, as yet unborn, reach up and push against that spine, trying to free himself to come into this world. And then the next thing that happened that touched me so deeply, he said when his unborn son felt 
his hand against the spine, his son reached up and with his tiny hand grabbed his fingers, even before he was born. And then he pushed and freed himself from the spine, and the birth completed as normal. And the reason I share this story, this dichotomy, here is an example of a new life that's really choosing to be in this world. That child was really, really choosing to be here. It would have been very easy for him to stay inside of his mother's womb and say, I'm not even born yet. If you want me, come get me. It would have been easy for him to do something like that, and he didn't do it. So on the one hand, there are people in this world that are frightened by the changes and what they're seeing, who are feeling that something bad is about to happen, that we've done something bad, or Earth is broken, and we see a lot of the information in the literature and the predictions and the prophecies of catastrophic events. And on the other hand, here's an example of a new life that's really choosing to come into this world right now, and both are happening simultaneously. I am in awe of the process as I see it unfold. I'd like to share with you some of the information as our own science is witnessing unprecedented phenomenon. Things are happening now we've never seen before. They're a mystery to the West because we lost the context. In other traditions, not only do these events make sense, they indicate that there's a timetable unfolding and that this timetable is intact as we are converging on this point in history, the ancients called the shift of the ages. Our own science now, within the last few years, in 1991, I'll share a little story with you. It sounds almost like the plot of a science fiction movie that we saw recently, and maybe this is where these plots come from. In 1991, from the center of our own Milky Way galaxy, through an array of telescopes in Socorro, New Mexico, in northern New Mexico, one evening, they picked up a signal coming from space that we'd never heard before. And it was a signal that was coming from the center of our Milky Way galaxy. That signal continues to this day. And researchers, it's a mystery. They say, why is this happening now? The University of Albuquerque is where they first began sharing the information. And what they actually said was that a source of fluctuating radio frequency emission suddenly appeared near the center of our Milky Way as astronomers baffled. They're still investigating this today. Why did that happen in 1991? Earth now is being bathed in a radio frequency signal that we've never seen before. What does that mean? And why is it happening now? Throughout our solar system, we are witnessing phenomenon unprecedented in modern physics and modern astronomy. Things are happening in the outer planets. Our physics really doesn't account for. For example, our sun is cooling down on the one hand, and on the other hand, the temperatures inside of the outer planets is increasing. If their heat source is the radiant energy from our sun and our sun's cooling, our physics doesn't allow for these planets to heat up while the sun's cooling down. What's happening? Why is that happening now? Our own sun has been the source of a lot of controversy. The tech journals now, if you're following the tech journals, have a tremendous amount of information that has not made it into mainstream publications such as Time Magazine maybe or Look or Newsweek. Amazing phenomenon occurring on our sun. We really began to see some of these phenomenon in 1996. We sent a spacecraft. It was called the Ulysses spacecraft to the sun to document what we believed were the magnetic fields of the sun at that time. It took a few months to get there in late 1996 what Ulysses 
said to us, the signals that it sent back, it said that the magnetic fields of the South Pole were almost non-existent. They were barely discernible. And a few months later, Ulysses went to the equator and found that the measurements of magnetics at the equator were the same as they were at the South Pole. In early 97, at the North Pole of the Sun, Ulysses found the same thing. What had happened is that the composite magnetics of the Sun have dropped to such a low level, there really is no North or South Pole on the Sun any longer, and researchers essentially say that the magnetic field of the Sun now is null. We have many small magnetic fields throughout the Sun rather than one global North and South in the Sun. Why is this happening now? Why aren't we hearing more about it? The solar flares in our sun, we're seeing unprecedented levels of solar flares, and some of this data is so new. I'd like to just update you and share with you some of this information. Beginning in 1989, we began seeing solar flares on the sun that we'd never seen before from the Solar Max satellite. And what was happening was we saw the largest solar flares ever observed. The satellite's hard X-ray burst spectrometer recorded 447 hard X-ray flares, a rate of about 32 per day. We used to see maybe 32 in a 30-day period. Well, there is a parameter called PFU. It means proton flux units. And the proton flux units are being measured on levels of magnitudes greater than anything we've ever seen before. And I'd just like to share some of these with you. Back in 1975, 1976, proton flux units. This is a measure of energy coming from the sun 93 million miles across space to Earth. It's just a measure of that energy. 1976 proton flux units were measured at around 12 proton flux units, something like that, 12, 20, somewhere in that magnitude. And that was the average for that time. In 1978, something happened, and those numbers increased to between 1,000 and 2,200. 1982, we saw 2,900. In 1989, something happened that sent these scales right off of the charts. We went from 22 and 2,900 proton flux units to over 40,000. And then later in 1993, 43,000 proton flux units. What in the world is going on? In 1998, June and early July, Something happened we've never seen before. Two comets struck our sun at the same time. And they began creating solar events at the rate exceeding anything that we'd seen before in terms of the number of flares per day, 40, 45, 50 flares per day. We've never seen that. And it's very interesting as we download this information from the research facilities, they are sharing the information all the way up to May of 1998, it's conspicuously absent for June and July during these solar events. They're still working through the data, and then they pick it up again in August. And in August of this year, we're back very close to where we have been in the past. The sun is going through a solar cycle, apparently, that lasts 11 years, and we're in the 10th year. That solar cycle will culminate in the year 2000. Very interesting, along with many of the other phenomena that are converging on this point. The phenomenon that we're witnessing 
in our outer world, extending far, far beyond the earth now, apparently is part of a cycle that we're witnessing upon and within the earth as well. Increased seismic activity. As an ex-geologist, I'm particularly interested in this. I believed at one time, maybe it was just me, maybe it just seemed like there were more earthquakes than we'd ever seen before. And as the data has come in and it's been charted and analyzed over the years, what we see is that, in fact, the number of seismic events, the earthquakes globally, are increasing on a logarithmic scale, number one. And number two, the severity of the earthquakes also is increasing. We're seeing more seismic events that are measured at greater levels on the Richter scale than we've ever seen before. USGS, United States Geologic Survey, has a hotline that you can actually dial in and receive an update every day of the seismic events for the last 24 hours. They rate them by magnitude, magnitude 1, 2, 3, and 4, and so on. On the west coast of the United States, the seismic events are so close together they cannot tell where one stops and the other one starts. It's like there's a continuous rumble underneath the crust of the earth, and they're low-level earthquakes, maybe magnitude 2 and, and 3. This is good. This is good news because it means there's a gradual release that's occurring rather than the quiet times and then a sudden jerk, a sudden shift where we have the damage. We are now witnessing seismic events unprecedented in terms of how deep into the earth the epicenter begins. Worldwide, there was a study, Time Magazine did a study. Between 1976 and 1996, there were over a half a million people that lost their lives to earthquakes globally. In the United States, we've lost 123 lives during that time. So we've been relatively fortunate, although the seismic activity is increasing. All through the Pacific Northwest, Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens, new activity is being documented as the glaciers are melting and the, the glacier lakes are, are heating up. Why? What's happening now? Why are these events all occurring at the same time? It's no surprise to anyone that weather patterns are shifting, and I think we all have been a part of those shifting weather patterns, whether we're talking about tornadoes in downtown Miami or massive floods in South America. What we are seeing are unprecedented extremes of heat, of cold, of precipitation, of wind. And I've taken the liberty of compiling some statistics just to put some of this into perspective. August 1990.